see you guys. Um, I'm going to throw a little, a little more weight behind what this is right here. Um, as many of you already know, I am in the throes of my doctoral degree. And um, while we've been doing a summer school series, I have actually been in summer school. And the reason why I've been doing that is because we really wanted uh, to have a very special launch series as a part of my degree. Uh, They want us to kind of pick a problem or something we might perceive as a problem or something that needs to be improved and uh, do a research project on that area of the church. And for many years, we have attempted various forms of, of small group ministry. We call them connect groups here at Triumph. And um, we've kind of, uh, in the last 18 months, we've had better results, but um, we'd like to see us do better. Matter of fact, I think we do really great on our vision, love God, connect with others, serve with excellence. We do a really great job. Um, I feel like we do in our, in our love God portion where uh, most of that takes place in our weekend um, worship experiences and people get to, get to find um, God real and um, also get to... Um, develop in their relationship with him and so we do pretty good job there and we've done a really good job with serve with excellence we've got a ton of people that volunteer on our dream team and that area of our vision has has really developed well but um but we really want to to focus on this idea of connecting with other people outside of um, the worship session here on sundays and so that's what connect groups are all about on you in your bulletin, you should have got the yellow one, and this kind of explains free market connect groups. And this is really our focus here at Triumph: is to just help people get together and do life together. And so, free market connect groups are really cool because it's not about you becoming a pastor over however many people. It's not about uh, a big Bible study unless Bible study is what you like to do. Uh, it's really just about you connecting with people that are already doing some of the stuff that you're already doing. And you can see that at the bottom of this where it says if you enjoy uh, walking and biking and hiking, board games, Bible studies, reading books, any other kind of life interest, if you enjoy doing that, well, if you can find a couple more people that enjoy doing that as well, maybe y'all can get together once a month and, um, and it'll be a connect group. And so uh, that kind of explains that. And then on this white card, uh, there's very important information on here. Uh, number one... Uh, we're going to start a Doing Life Together series August 13th. So that's two weeks from now. Next week, we're going to conclude um, our uh, summer school series. With, it's going to be a really fun. You're not going to want to miss uh, next week. But um, and the following week, we will start a new series called Doing Life Together. And this series will be focusing on this area of interest in our church, our connect group area of interest in our church, and the research portion of what I'm doing for my project. Um, then we also um, are instituting something brand new. Um, on this card, you'll see dates for leader training. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to start a group because they're like, well, I don't know how to lead a group. Well, we feel like that um, it's important for us to help equip you. And so um, we're going to have multiple opportunities for leader training. We'll talk more about it in upcoming Sundays. But all of that leader training will be taking place during or after services and uh, during uh, the prayer session on Wednesday night and then after every service on that Sunday. August 27th, we're going to have a big launch day where people can join up um, in a group. And then the new uh, semester for Connect Group starts in September on September the 5th. 
And so all of that is very important. And um, how many will agree with me that I think that as a church, we should really maximize every area of our, of our vision. Just every area of our vision should be maximized. And, and um, this will help us do that. And I specifically chose this. This was not chosen for me. I chose it because I want to see our connect group ministry grow in our church. And I want to see your relationships grow. And so I, I picked this as my, as my subject material for um, my project. We are in summer school. And I've really enjoyed this particular series. Just bringing to us standalone sermons of stuff I feel like we, should know, we need to know. Or at least be reminded of. Um, when we were taking Greek in our master's degree we had to study vocabulary and of course alphabet and then vocabulary and, and there were flashcards of just hundreds of, of Greek words and uh, Raylene and I even took the boys on a trip to California and we drove and I'll never forget driving down um, the highway for all those hours we sat in the front of the vehicle and had our flashcards out because we, we needed to learn so many vocabulary words a week and refresh ourselves on the ones that we had learned and we were driving down the road and she'd hold up a card and I'd go Logos the word you know and, and it's kind of the way we did that I'll never forget our professor was a was an elder gentleman he's I believe he was about 70 Five at that time, and and he always told us in the class. He said, "Now listen, if you don't if you don't practice this and keep practicing it, you will lose it." He said, "Some word about it that as much as you know about Greek, that the best thing you can do is probably get your Greek New Testament and every day read that Greek New Testament, and every week pull these flashcards back out so you can refresh your mind, because if you don't use it." You will lose it. Well, I'm going to have to be honest with you. I haven't done so well with those flashcards or that Greek New Testament, right? Because it's really easy for me in my study just to go right at the word that I want. And I have tools to do that. But uh, there's some part of me that wishes I would have kept reading those flashcards. I may go back to it sometime, but... There's something about information. If you don't use information, you tend to lose it. How many of you took algebra in high school? How many of you feel like you would probably have a difficult time passing an algebra test right now? That's a lot of us. That's a lot. Now, if you were an engineer, or if you were working in some type of field where that kind of mathematics is a part of your routine, then you retain that. But... If you're not reminded of it, somehow or another through our life, we're not consistently reminded of certain things. We tend to lose our grasp on those things. And so, and so when I was thinking about this series, I, I, I didn't pitch a whole lot of my ideas to Pastor Trent. I knew I wanted him to, to preach at least one session, and I wanted him just to preach whatever was on his heart. And he did a fantastic job last week talking about evangelism. Amen. just wanted him to do that. But in my notes... So I was trying to formulate what direction I might, I might take a series of standalone sermons. The number one thing I wrote down was today's subject. Now, I chose not to do this the first week. 
Matter of fact, I really felt the leaning of the Lord for me to go uh, different directions in some of the areas. There were some things I originally wrote down that I haven't covered yet. We might have to cover those next year during summer school. But this particular subject stood out to me in my own heart. And it's really strange, and I'll tell you why it's strange, is because this really should be something we know. But yet, in all of the years of pastoring, I've got uh, 32 years of full-time ministry under my belt. And all of these years, all these three decades that I've worked with people, I have discovered that today's subject is very easy to forget. And it's disconcerting to me. Because you would think that as Christians, as, as confessors of Christ and those of us who are following to the best of our ability, following after the, the things of God and a relationship with Him, that this would be something we would never have to discuss. This would just be a given. But yet, it's like those flashcards. Or it's like those algebra problems. It's, it's something that if we're not consistently reminded about the reality of God's love. I mean, isn't that something that we would even have to discuss the fact that God's love is real? But I mean, that's what I wrote in my original notes on this series, God's love is real. I feel like this is something we should know, that we should be reminded of. I feel like it's information that, that if, we can, if we can grasp this information, that it would, better, it would better our life. And yet consistently through the years, I have discovered people that struggle with comprehending the love of God in, them, in their life. They struggle with this reality that, that God loves me. And a lot of times we bounce that off of the reality in our own hearts that we know that He is the ultimate of perfection and many times we are the ultimate of imperfection. And I've had many people who are confessing Christians look at me through the years and say, how can God love me? Does He know what I've done? Yes. Then how can He love me? Does he, does he know my thoughts and the things that I've thought even this week? Or maybe the things that I have said? And herein lies the great conflict when we, when we read verses like John 3.16 and there's this tension inside of us because we, we have this God who declares His love over us. Matter of fact, John 3.16 can be quoted by many of us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but, but have everlasting life. That here is this, here is this amazing God in, in all of His perfection who, who loves us in all of our imperfection. Years ago I was preaching and similar subject on the love of God, specifically talking about God being a loving Father. And after the service, a man came to my office. and He's a very, very large man and, and just a towering, a mountain kind of individual, especially for me. And, and he came in my office so angry at me. Now look, I've preached a thing or two that can make people mad, right? 
But I mean, I, I never even imagined that I could preach on God's love, that, that our God is a loving Father, and it would actually make someone vehemently angry. I'm talking about angry to the point that as he walked in my office, his fists were clenched. And, he, and he, I was sitting behind my desk, and he, he walked up to my desk with these fists, and he slammed those fists down on my desk, and he says, how can you preach about a loving father? I don't know. I don't know what it means to have a loving father. And I mean, in my... I knew what he was talking about only because of what he had just said. I did not know any of his story. I had no idea that this man longed for his dad to say, I love you, and show affirmation, and be proud, and that he never felt that, and that all of these years, he carried this deep, deep hurt, this deep animosity, and there was just something about this sermon where I talked about God being a loving father, and and it was so beyond his comprehension, because he was comparing the love of God to the only example he really had in this world. And it wasn't a very good example. And so all of his, all of this pinup come boiling out and, and, and ultimately I had the opportunity to work with this man for several years and I think we, we helped get him past some of that in his life. And today he pastors a church, he's got a beautiful family, but a lot of people are in that shape. How can God love me? When our only when our only example of love is many times meted out in our own performance or lack thereof. I mean we feel like we do good, we feel love. When we do bad We don't feel love. We live our lives with this human idea, this human realm of love that is so performance-based. It's based on feelings and it's based on, it's so driven by something other than what the Word of God would speak to us about the love of God concerning us. In fact, the Word of God is very plain that there is absolutely nothing we can do to merit, to earn, to be worthy of His love. That, that the love of God isn't meted out to us because of our works, because of what we do or how well we perform. And the Word of God speaks very plainly concerning this, and yet, and yet we... We have the potential to stand and scratch our head and say, well, then how exactly is the love of God? I mean, number one, why would he love me if he's so holy and I'm so not holy, if he's so righteous and I have the propensity to do some wrong stuff? Then how is it that God can even love me in that type of scenario? And that's today's one plus one. I mean, one plus one is pretty simple in summer school, and, and, and it is simple for us today. One plus one equals because he chose to. 
I mean, that's, that, that's really the answer to every why and every how and every what for concerning the love of God and us is that for whatever reason, God chose to love us. That when we read this verse saying that God so loved the world that, that he gave his only son, that, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life, that, that God so loved us that Jesus Christ did the hard thing so that we could do the easy thing. That God did the hard thing so that we could do the easy thing. And, you know, I mean, I think about God's love and, and, and the sacrifice that was represented in Christ and everything that that sacrifice meant to us. And what it really screams at us is that God so loved us that He chose to send His one and only Son to that cross and that Son was the one that bore our sin. That Son was the one that, that felt the sting of our death so that you and I don't have to go to a cross. So that you and I, we, we, don't, we don't have to have our backs beaten with a whip with shards of glass and pottery to rip the skin from the bones. You and I don't have to bleed out in front of a mocking crowd. You and I, don't, don't, we don't have to walk that Via Dolorosa, that road of the cross, that, 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 that place where Jesus stumbled and fell. You and I don't get the slap in the face or the beard plucked from the cheeks. You and I, you and I get to do the easy part. Because God chose, because he chose to love us. Matter of fact, I mean, a Rambo, a Rambo um, reference here is he chose to pull first blood. He drew first blood. Matter of fact, John 4 verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but this is a higher form. This is a higher thing that, that, that even when we were incapable of loving him, he loved us. That he drew first blood, that he went first, that he said, okay, you're incapable of loving me, and so I will love you first. And by my love for you, you will find the pathway of your relationship and love for me. That I, that I, I love because he first loved. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about that in first church. Matter of fact, this thought came to me in first church, and I, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good thought. You know, I, I look around our church, and man, oh man, do we have a lot of little bitty babies? I mean, seriously, this is like, for our church size, we're way above per capita on that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, I don't know. It's, I mean, our, I, I promise you folks, we're not, we don't got anything in the water. I'm telling you. We buy it from Glenpool just like everyone else. 
And Glenpool buys it from Tulsa, right? So, I mean, it can't be the water, but I don't know. I mean, I think about all these little, I mean, little bitty babies. And we got more coming. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about, you know, I mean, Pastor Ashley and Ryan put out on Facebook that while they were gone on their vacation uh, this weekend, they're having another one. Y'all hear that? Y'all see that? It's like, man, oh, man. There's always a baby crying in this nursery. I'm telling you, we've always got little bitty ones. And, and think about them, them little babies. You know, I mean, they just kind of bust off into the world, right? And don't even know what that light is. You know, and there they are. You know, I mean, it's like they come from a dark place and suddenly see the light, right? And 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 immediately. And I mean, this is what we all listen for, right? What's the first thing you listen for when a baby's born? That. <laughs> what you listen for? No more. I mean, that kid, that kid lands in the world and immediately starts demanding stuff. Is that right? Is that right? I mean, immediately. I mean, I'm talking about the kid lands in the light, and the light tells the kid, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, my diaper needs tending, and no one gets to sleep. And and here's this baby. And and, the thing about that baby is this, that when you're the parent or the grandparent or really close friends of the family and people that really care, it you just kind of like go, I love that baby. I love that baby right there. That's a baby right there, and I love it. Even when that, even when that baby's demanding, demanding, like who else invades the privacy of your home and wakes you up every night at 2 o'clock in the morning? Only that. Every, anybody else would do that, you'd kick them out, right? Like, just get out of my house. You know? But no, 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 we embrace that with that baby because, because man, that's our baby. But yet, it's, 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 really, it's really something to think that, I mean, for the first little while, that baby has absolutely no comprehension of what is really taking place. I mean, I don't know anybody that remembers being six weeks old and waking the mom and dad up. They, they don't even say thank you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and everything in our life had to get adjusted for it, right? I mean, our, 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 our sleep is just non-existent, and, and that's bad because everything else in our life keeps ticking, but that baby has no comprehension whatsoever of the depth of sacrifice. It just will start crying again in three hours. I need my diaper changed. It's, it's four o'clock in the morning, but I need it changed now. Can't you wait three hours? No. I want it changed immediately. Is anybody with me? With no comprehension. And the saving grace of this relationship is that while that baby does not have the capacity to even understand how to love, as a parent you love first. I'm going to change that diaper. Why? Because that's my baby. I'm going to get up. 
feed that baby. Why? Because that's my baby. And that baby has no capacity to even love. Not yet. But as that baby grows, that baby begins to reciprocate love back because there's just something about this relationship. So we are God's babies. And for whatever reason, he just chose to say, I will love you first, even though you can't even comprehend how to love me back. Oh, we grow. We, it's called somewhat of discipleship, but we find ways to eventually reciprocate. But here is the point that is so important for us to understand is that God's love is real and it's real because he chose to love us. Romans 5 is very powerful concerning this. In verse 6, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, just a baby, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He, He didn't die for people who had it all together. He died for people who had absolutely nothing together. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were completely incapable of even comprehending his love, God said... I love you. And it was demonstrated in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Demonstrated. That God said, this is how much I love you. Look at this. So if that's one plus one, if one plus one is that we can, under, we, can, we can grasp the reality of God's love when we understand that he loves us, not because of our performance, but because he chose to. It was a choice. I choose to love that baby. I choose. Then what would be two plus two? I mean, what else do we need to know in this scenario? Well, well, two plus two is almost as simple, perhaps, to understand today, hopefully, as one plus one. And it is simply this. Two plus two equals because he chose, we get to choose. See, because he chose to love us, then the great mystery of God's love is that then he puts the choice to accept it back into our hands. I don't think this is better demonstrated anywhere. I mean, it's demonstrated throughout the Word of God. For instance, even in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world, gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes, so whoever makes a conscious choice to believe in Him would get eternal life. That's the easy part, but yet it's still a part to play. 
that at some point in our life, we have to step up to, to, to his love and say, I receive that love in my life. I, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to believe in it. God's love is real. He loves me, and I'm going to embrace what he has for me. Many of us know that our Bible ends with a very mysterious book, a lot of shadow, a lot of type, a lot of mystery, the book of Revelation. There's a lot of stuff in the book of Revelation that even to great Bible scholars, there's a lot of debate. But yet, at the end of the book of Revelation, there is this very clear verse. I mean, it's like step out of all of the shadows and, and, and we're going we're gonna to close this book out in Revelation chapter 22, the very, the very last chapter in your Bible, uh, the very last book in your Bible, and, and, and very close to the last verses of your Bible. We find this, this extremely clear thing right here. And it says here, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Let me, let me walk you through this for a second. The spirit there, of course, is God. So, so God is saying, come. The bride right there is the church, the corporate church, the universal corporate church. All right, And so the corporate universal church is saying, come. But then it says, and let the one who hears say come. That's the individual Christian. Just the individual person in the church is, is also saying come. So, so all, three, uh, all three of these things, here you have God, and God is bidding for people, hey, hey, come. There's love for me over here if you'll come. And then the universal church is saying, together, corporately, come. Bidding those people who don't know Christ. Bidding those ones who have never experienced the love of God. Bidding those ones who have walked away from the love of God because they only compared it to what they had exampled in this world. And, and, and the corporate church is saying, come. But then the individual Christian, you and I, we're, we're joining in this chorus. And there's this, there's this tremendous trio of voices that are crying out from God and from the church and from the individual Christian, beckoning people to come. Beckoning people to come. But yet the most staggering phrase, as I'm closing, the most staggering phrase of all of this to me is that one phrase after the word and, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. That's salvation. The free gift of the water of life is salvation. Let the one who wishes Which is very revealing to us. Pastor, how can I experience the love of God? You have to desire it. The promise is coming to the one who wishes it, who desires it, who says, I want it. It's a very easy thing. Yet it is so difficult for us to remember. And so we sing this song as children. Jesus loves me. 
this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Somehow we know it as a child. And I have tried to preach it back into our heart as all of us today. Don't ever forget God's love for you is real. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to pray for us. If you're here today and you need to experience the love of God for the first time or for a fresh time, as I pray, I, I want to encourage you to begin to soften your heart. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to slip your hand up and say, you know what, Pastor? I prayed a prayer today to accept the love of God in my heart. I'm not going to call you forward or do anything weird. I'm just going to let you acknowledge to me and before God that that today was a significant day in your life for praying the for praying a prayer that would reinvigorate or maybe for the first time receive the love of God in your life. Can you bow your heads for a second? Let's pray. Father, I just agree together with this people. Your love for us is amazing and your power for us is, is rich, but, but your love is real today. And I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart as the one who delivered this message today that if there is somebody on the sound of my voice that is questioning your love, maybe even questioning their salvation, that even right now, they would just simply under their breath say, here I am, Lord. I give my heart to you right now. I accept your love in my life. I wish today for the free gift, the water of life, the free gift of salvation. I pray right now, Father, over every person that is praying that prayer right now, that you would spark within them the reality of your love for the rest of us, Lord, that maybe don't feel like we need to pray that exact prayer, but Perhaps we've been comparing your love to earthly love. Maybe we've even been comparing your love to how we perform. I pray today that you would release us from the bondage of all of that. I pray today that our hearts would be full of the recognition that you love us, that we are your children, that we are your babies and that you chose to love us even when we were incapable of loving you back. I ask for you to enlarge our relationship with you. And I give you the praise for all of this in Jesus' name. If you would keep your heads bowed for a second. If you feel like you made that kind of prayer today where you've got a fresh start with the Lord, would you just slip a hand up and wave it at me? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Beautiful beautiful, beautiful. All right, everyone, would you just clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise because he's worthy. Hallelujah! (laughs) Woo! Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. I'm going to close this service out. We always close with our our giving. And um, we ask you just to hang loose while we do this. They're going to lead you in one more song and then pastor.